0: Here we go. Episode 13 of Utah in the Weeds. I'm Chris Hollifield. I'm Tim Pickett. And we have a very special guest today, Derek Anderson. It's going to be fun to have him on the show. Talk to him a little bit about cannabis and and hopefully uh, we're going to get into the history of cannabis as medicine in the US. I got a pretty cool timeline that I've kind of been putting together, Tim, that I'd like to possibly go over. Oh yeah, I want
1: to hear. Yeah, and I've been doing a little bit of research to update my you know, my own knowledge this week about the history of the of cannabis in the U.S. But Derek, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us, uh, are, are you a Utah native?
2: Uh, no, I'm a West Coast native. So uh, yeah, uh, Derek Anderson, West Coast native. I have born in Idaho, actually, uh, Ashton, Idaho, and I've lived in Washington, Oregon, California is where I graduated high school, and then I've been in Utah since really after high school. So, but uh, definitely West Coast uh, has been my stomping ground for most of my life.
0: Who or what introduced you to cannabis, Derek? I'm always curious of that. Like, at what age, if you, if you don't mind talking about that, right?
2: Oh yeah, I know. I'm I'm very open. I know high. I mean, high school was in Southern California, so it was like it was available. But I'll straight up say that was yeah, 99, 2000. So that was like really like nothing. Well, that's
1: the beginning of uh, medical yeah. cannabis in California.
2: Yeah, like I think I got medical cannabis a couple times, and most of the time it was probably like Mexican stuff because it just made you sleepy. So. PhD turned to cbn so i mean did that a few times but i was yeah i was mormon so i like i dabbled and i was like yeah that was cool uh off to like get went went on the work life and stuff and then uh 10 or so years later after a divorce and a head injury involving well well we'll bring it up uh it was involved police officers uh in uh, november of 2010 i got smacked on the head and kind of roughed up pretty hard. Uh, what I'd say I still feel it right here where the pressure on my chest was put to hold me down. So same tactics that were used then are being used today so that people are talking about it. I'm glad because I use cannabis for the pain and to kind of heal my 100% heal my body from that incident that happened. So and it's been a very it's been a long journey. It's, uh, been, I mean, I do chiropractor. I do float tanks. I do stretching. I do yoga. I do, like I do all that stuff, but cannabis allows me to feel my body. And I can really say allowed me to feel my body right when it happened. Cause I was broken. I weighed 130 pounds. I had to learn how to walk. I had to, it was a pretty rough, like it wasn't, oh, they didn't beat me. They demolished me. <laughs> like they, and I, yeah, I spent eight days in a hospital induced coma with 22 staples in my head to keep me together. And when I woke up, I remember my th- second or third thought when I woke up from like the hospital in this coma was you need to be using cannabis to get better. And
0: so what did, what did the I cops am. even get you for? If you don't mind me asking, I got to find out, man, like especially if they got you that uh, I bad. Was,
2: uh, 100% I held my ground and I was in the, I was having a mental breakdown. Like I was in the middle of a divorce. I'd driven down to California just to kind of get away from stuff. And then they pulled me over and I was like, what you guys now? And I was probably just like, being aggravated and they took that as like, take him down. Oh wow. him with hammers. A, th- a few months earlier, a guy named Kelly Thomas had actually been killed about 10, 15 miles away from my location. So very similar incident, and I technically was dead at a uh, brain pressure of 88 PSI. And but I survived and I did get people go, hey, did you go look at pushing tra- charges? And yeah, I did. Went through like three, four lawyers and because there wasn't enough, uh, there wasn't video evidence, which the video evidence was destroyed or too damaged to be recovered. Hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. And, uh, no, nobody would uh, nobody would touch it. And they didn't, there's nothing on my record because they left me with about a $300,000 hospital bill that I had to declare bankruptcy on. So, wow, yeah. So, it wasn't a cheap hospital visit that they left me with, so.
1: Wow, this is a crazy story. I mean, I didn't hear this. I mean, we've we've met each other a couple of other times in Salt Lake at some different events, but and I and I knew that you had this uh, you know, kind of very traumatic injury uh that was because you had expressed to me that you're a patient and um and that cannabis really helps. Like it's a key it's a key thing for you to really get through the day and everything like that. So yeah, but man, hearing that story, that's pretty
0: that's pretty intense. You didn't mention PTSD. I mean, that's it's helping you with all oh, the top yeah, it's been triggering. Yeah, <laughs> <Like> it's, especially <laughs> now. Anyway, sorry, kinda can't.
2: No, no, and you're fine, like the can't breathe part. Like my chiropractor even brought up when I went to him last, like my where my ribs are. He's like, Yeah, where you're bound up, that would be affecting your breathing. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm aware how it's it's definitely like I've I've got some still some healing to do, but the cool thing is the body is capable even after that much damage it can heal through it. And that's how powerful the endocannabinoid system is. That's definitely my, uh, what I've learned and the uh, scene happen just within me and, and other people that I've seen really take the plant on and utilize it correctly.
0: So before this incident with the police, were you using cannabis at all or just here and there? I,
2: I did do uh, after my divorce, I jumped on the, well, okay, something's wrong. Uh, what do you guys want me to do? And this is, this is the story. Like got divorced, Yeah, went to uh, the, uh, what well, was the psychiatrist? She gave me a form. I filled it out and they said, cool, here's like Xanax, and Paxil. Why they gave me three things right after my brain got broken, after my wife left me on no whim, like I came home to an empty house. That wasn't the best thing. So I went zombie mode for about six months. But the back of my brain, I remember going, this doesn't feel right. And there's something else out there. And I remember, I won't say, uh, I remember being at work. I remember because I was Mormon at the time, nudging one of my guys at work, and going, hey, uh, you know anybody that's got any marijuana? This was in like 2009 starting to kind of like, and they're like, well, what do you need? What do you mean? How, right. You- where are
1: you working you at the time?
2: <laughs> so I was, I was, I was a boy scout leader going to church at the time, but I knew for medicine, like I started doing my research. And after I read through patents that the government has on cannabinoids, I'm like, no, I know this thing actually is a medicine. Like I ran into a lot of the right things. Plus had friends in California from high school who had been growing. So I got to kind of jump into and see, Oh, He's using it for ADHD. He's using it for for PTSD from like I gotta see friends who are using it immediately, kind of connect, maybe quicker than somebody else would have um at that time.
1: Oh wow. And this is all two thousand nine, two 2010, 2000?
2: 2000. Yeah, right right when like dispensaries like were starting to kind of show up in California and kind of like medical had been going on, but we didn't have anything rec and it was just medical was kind of the thing that was popping off a little bit.
0: I was just curious, so you were going into the dispensaries early on then in California. So you've actually been able to oh, yeah. really watch the whole medical cannabis from oh, the yeah. ground up, which is really cool, in my opinion. Because uh, yeah, I, no, I, I got to see,
2: I remember, remember sitting down after getting my medical card, and I think it was twenty eleven, sitting down in the dispensary and being like let in one at a time into the back room. And back then, it was just jars of wheat. Like <laughs> that's a, that's all you. It was just jars of wheat and then there's like a little bit of like edibles and a few tinctures and like
1: i've been to a dispensary like that in california but it was within the last five years <laughs> <laughs> no okay.
2: that, was, that was i mean i remember like bankers hill collective in san diego and uh i forget all the different ones i used to go to in socal and but yeah no it was great i i would go there they would have gross grow classes i'd go to those and learn how to grow so yeah at the very beginning when i i went down to california and really quickly got into it, not just from medical side, but kind of absorbed every bit of it. So
0: very cool.
1: So fast forward into today. I mean, what are you doing? You've been really involved in the, in the whole uh, medicalization or medical legalization in Utah. Tell us how, you know, like uh, what your involvement is now.
2: Um, I mean, right now, I mean, my day job, uh, might've just changed up a bit. So I'm uh, definitely putting more focus to what is a Utah cannabis education and, uh, my uh, cannabis consulting. Uh, recently, I helped uh, get what was uh, SaltBakedCity dot up. If you haven't been to it, check it out. We've got lots of good interviews and good uh, news and local news happening there. But uh, yeah, I helped get that up. And that's my my background's it. I've worked Geek Squad. I've worked uh, anything to kind of do like servers and and now I'm looking at like can the can world of cannabis needs that and that's kind of what I I want to help do is like I want everybody to be using their technology the best possible because. That to me is what's changed with cannabis in general. Like the lights that I'm used to growing with back 10 years ago, is like now you get these LEDs that are like power, like low power, low heat. It's a whole, like everything with technology is changing. And that's what I don't think people realize is like the faster you embrace even cannabis and the technology, the faster you're going to see how cool they all kind of come together.
0: So what exactly would you be teaching? You say cannabis education, right? So is this something that like, say, my mom would sign up for or something like just some.
2: That will be uh that'll be some of the courses we want to, I'm, I've looked at, there's a lot of cannabis education out there, but I want to definitely design more of a hands-on approach and even a community, community community-based approach. Like, Hey, not just are you taking a course, but you're going out to, let's say one of our local, uh, local shops like moonlight and having to maybe like learn a little bit about the uh, actual, maybe, maybe some of the, maybe some of the things you might be using in a grow or actually like looking at the lights and actually, Learning with that hands-on approach. Cause that's the thing that I've seen Like schools just got disrupted. And I've been in, I've been looking at schools for a while. I've never finished college. I'm halfway through my cybersecurity degree and kind of always get bored. Cause I'm like, I'm learning more online. Uh, what, what are you guys, what am I paying for? And now I'm looking at with cannabis education and stuff like that. It's like, we do have a big opportunity where people go, Hey, I don't know where to start. And I want to give some people some, uh, some kind of some arenas to start with. Cause. I uh definitely like to gamify stuff. So I'm gonna take a lot of what's out there, but uh gonna spend the summer uh building some cool stuff. So uh stay tuned. Nice.
0: <laughs> Very goes. cool. Should we jump into the history of uh cannabis as medicine here, Tim? Or or I don't know if you had any questions. Yeah, I mean let's talk to, to Derek talk? about it too. Yeah. And uh
2: Definite. Oh yeah.
0: Because I
1: think that uh tonight we wanna to do this because really what's going on in the world right now, right? The Yes. There's a Essentially, you've got this this huge and appropriate political shift, and the uh, the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement, which I, for one, and I, you know, I, I assume we haven't talked about this, but um, I'm going to assume you you two agree with me that this is a really important topic to uh, talk about. And I think with cannabis, it's they're they're really interlaced in a big way. And so there's been a lot more discussion about the legalization of cannabis or the adult use of cannabis or why cannabis was taken away, What right? Why, why it's called marijuana and cannabis, why there's this controversy there, all kinds of things.
0: I have it started back 1937 when they, that's when they signed the federal legislation uh, to ban cannabis. So I don't know how far back you wanted to go with that Tim I mean you were talking about even no, what's going I mean, up on I mean because that was a lot of even the reason was a lot of racial reasons right I mean up
1: until 19 in the mid 1940s it was in the from a medical standpoint it was in what we call the pharmacopeia the the list of known medications uh there was you know essentially the book of all the medicines and it was listed in there and doctors fought to keep it in the the, um, the pharmacopoeia and keep it available for medical use even past the thirty seven, the nineteen thirty seven law. It was, it wasn't taken out until I think the late forties.
0: I have nineteen forty three is when they took it. They removed it from when U.S. It formulary out. and physicians could no longer prescribe it. That was yeah, that man. was the date I pulled out. Yeah.
2: Right. That's it. Yeah. Right I mean, there after the, like the, the World War II kind of like we had it where oh, we wanted it back for a second because we needed hemp and then we got rid of it real quick. Like it kind of almost came back there into the because there wasn't like because hemp like it's, that they've linked hemp and cannabis so strongly together is like just the ridiculous part because what you're talking about is medical and they've kept an entire industry linked to something also that is a, a medical product from the fiber side. So them like it's going to be a while until we even get that mindset broken apart, which is kind of happening right now.
1: Right. So you're talking about the, the economic side of the hemp, right? And that, yeah. And I, I, I see your point. Like the, there is a difference. We talk a lot about the history of, of essentially the history of marijuana yeah. is what I'm talking about. Right. Because marijuana. when we talk about marijuana, we're talking about the drug.
2: Yep. The smoking right? of it compared to the fiber side we brought it back strong, like like the U.S. government was like gave farmers seeds, so like we needed to grow because we weren't getting the imports we were getting from uh, access members and stuff at the time. And so there was a small bump where it's like we had hemp for victory was a video released at that time, and we kind of brought cannabis back, but the minute we got back to it, they're like, nope, push it away. Like that was that. 40 yes, 30. I
1: remember reading that um, where they were issuing tax licenses to yep. grow hemp. Into the to the uh, mid twentieth century, right? Yep, and then like,
2: something like that, and then the minute of the war, kind of like the minute, like we weren't sure because we didn't know. Like at one time, who knows? Like stuff was kind of at that time where like they couldn't guess and couldn't wait for imports to come in when we weren't getting it. So they're like, "Dude, we need you guys to grow this asap so we have this stuff for the war."
1: Yes, I remember when I went to the uh the continuing medical education to become a QMP at uh, Intermountain Healthcare. They, the pharmacist had gone through their archives and actually found a, a license, like a stamp license from way, way back in their, in their archives. Wow. Uh, uh, old. It stuff's uh, hidden
2: there. You just have to dig it. You got to dig it out. Like they've, they've tried to hide everything, but it's not all hidden. It's, the evidence is there.
0: Right. All <laughs> right. Actually, speaking of that, Tim, so when you. You went to Intermountain Health to get your QMP certification. It was a four-hour class. You said you had to take. Yes, I mean, who I, taught that class to you? I'm just curious. I don't know if we've ever gotten. Into oh, that's that. a great. Um, since, yeah, you, since you so brought that up, clinical,
1: out. right? Clinical pharmacist at IHC. Uh, they have they have a physician who who kind of manages the class, and they have he does a few uh, sections like of the lecture, and then they have primarily the people who do it is clinical pharmacists. Uh, they do all the research on the studies, what it's good for, what it's bad for, what the what this data says, and then they present the data. They present the risk. Uh, they present the law. Uh, and different people take care of the, the discussions about the law. But I did not think, I'll be honest, I didn't think that was the best way to become a QMP. I went there because I wanted to know what IHC culture Was surrounding it, so I had already become a QMP in uh, one of the online classes. Uh, But I wanted to go there and and kind of get the get more of a sense of what they were all about. And it was about what I what I what I anticipated. It was if you were against cannabis. Here's what I said on this um, to a friend of mine after: If you were against cannabis as a medicine, and you went to that uh, CME event, you had a good day. That's, that's all I'll say as far as the way it was presented.
0: Oh, so they didn't present it very good then.
1: Well, not (laughs) for somebody like me, who's an advocate, right? Like, you know, they're, but they're using FDA approved evidence or FDA approved studies. And, and that's when you narrow it down to that type of data, it's, it's easy to make it look scary, dangerous,
0: um, well that's discouraging to me Tim because that means that the QMPs here are going to have a little bit of that nervous side to them being like, well, I don't know if we should use cannabis right now, you know. I don't know. Do you think yeah, that's I the mean, best I guess way so. to teach I, it? it? Seems like somebody knowledgeable, somebody like a like I don't yeah, know, I mean, some I shaman like or something, every,
1: you know, Derek, uh, you know, Derek's going <laughs> to have a really a good point of view as far as an educator goes because he has personal experience with it. Don't you think Derek
2: yeah, yeah, it's and that's helped. Like, if I hadn't gone through the like, if I hadn't had gone through what I've gone through, it definitely has me not only gone. Hey, I've not only read it; I've seen the actual what happens when the endocannabinoid system helps you eat, sleep, forget, protect, and relax, and work in the way that's supposed to be working. And the clinical evidence is going to be there as we do more studies. But we've known since we—I think it was 1975—where they came out and says cannabis cures cancer. They didn't know exactly why. And then they shuffle that evidence away real quick. So it's like, we've known and our bodies know, like my body pulled me to it. Like, it's like, you need to be alive. Like, and that's the thing is like being in tune with yourself and stuff like that. People don't realize like we all have that capabilities and it's kind of connected to this cool thing that we've been ignoring for uh, a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, yeah, 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 absolutely.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. And it's crazy. Like we don't, the doctors don't know about it. I'm like, guys, you really need to like, add this to your arsenal because it is a very important system that truly ties us. I mean, animal, the dogs have it and stuff like that, but it's, it's something that's been with us for a while. And when you start, I don't know when you start working around the plants and everything like that, it makes even more and more sense. So
1: I think this is going to be an interesting conversation because I think Derek and I, like what I like about you, Derek, is you have got a very, I think your view of cannabis is a little different than mine. And this is intriguing to me. What's, when, what's different as we, do you as think, we too? Go. Well, I think, you know, you mentioned uh, the endocannabinoid system and doctors and and you have a, what I hear in your tone is a little skepticism, kind of a built-in skepticism for the the doctor's system, the, the, the medical system. And I see, uh, but I appreciate that a hundred percent. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's good.
2: It's, things I've, I've poked. I've been like, so do you know about the endocrine system? Why not? Why not? That's like, when I go to my doctors, like I ask and I'm, I'm like, why aren't you learning about it? Like, you should be learning about this. This isn't like, yeah, that's just me. It's like, I'm, I'm very, uh, and I like that. It's like, I like to poke because I'm like new stuff like this is way too important to be ignoring. And I see too many people. No, no, it's cool. It's new. I I don't need to learn about it. I went to school already. And I'm like, oh, come on. She can't do that. Well,
1: see, I mean, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. And I think that, but I'm going to, but I'll turn this around just a little bit. There are things you will say. And uh, like there is in 1975, they put out a paper that, uh, that cannabis can cure cancer. And then my, my initial reaction is from medical school is now, wait, Derek, let's hold off. Okay. Let's before we're making a claim that big, Let's get the medical, let's get the the traditional scientific data. So I find myself agreeing with you on one hand and then pushing back on you on another, which I think is the point of this podcast, Chris,
0: if you would agree, is that this is, this is what this is all about. I want to bring all the discussions to the table, man. I want to have all the topics talked about.
1: Yeah,
2: this is uh... 100%. No, there's a I lot like that. we're in like, we're in that we're in a time period where people are wanting to bring stuff to the table that we've it stinks when like I wish my incident with the cops had been brought more to the table because I'm like, it happened and it got kind of shuffled and had it been more It was like, Thank goodness I didn't die and then I don't I don't want to be a martyr for this stuff, but they shouldn't be doing two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of damage to somebody that puts them in a hospital. Like that's not something anybody should be doing to anybody. That's bad
1: (laughs) no and i you know and i um and i feel terrible about that for you and i feel terrible about like i was just looking at the kelly thomas story you know from 2011 that you mentioned earlier and and this is and and you're two white guys who got beat up by police and and um i'm not i don't want to take away from that but i also want to i also don't want to say that that's the problem right now i i think right now
2: now, as white america our
1: house isn't on fire right black america's house is on fire our house is important
2: yeah but it's not on fire
1: right now
2: but it's like it's come to the thing where they're on fire and we're like all right well this isn't something we ever brush underneath the rug again we make us we help we help we have got stand up and find an answer for what has not an answer hasn't been found to yet like yeah, yeah like my me, me. I'm like, I'm glad I'm alive, but I'm seeing the same things that I'm still feeling. I'm like, yeah, this needs to stop. This is ridiculous because I don't want anybody to feel the pain that I felt and others still are. Yeah, I I, I want to definitely do what I can. And, and and I think that's what I'm seeing, which I makes me happy that people are finally as one speaking a voice.
0: I'd like to do more through this podcast, Tim. So if you ever have any ideas of things we could do, let me know, buddy. You know, absolutely. You know, uh,
1: I, I'm I'm very interested in that, and uh, and I think you know we're spending the time on the podcast. We we could easily spend some of that time um, helping out or or doing what we can. Absolutely,
0: right? man. Absolutely. So,
1: come back to this history. Uh, you know, you have in the 30s we outlaw 40s. It's taken out of the pharmacopoeia. Uh, we we grow some hemp in the I think through the through this period, but then we get to Nixon. Yep. Right. And essentially, I mean, are we in
0: agreement that Nixon basically just killed it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That or 1970 when he made it a Schedule 1. Or no, that wasn't he, Nixon he, though that he, made it, was
2: it? He kiboshed it harder than just about anyone. Like that was his...
1: Who's, yeah. who's that? Was that Nixon?
2: Yeah. No, it was Nixon. You're dead on with that. 71. He, yep.
1: He launched the war on drugs. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But this was... Uh, and this is how it really ties into racism. Uh, is that 30s, the 30s Anslinger, wasn't he a guy who was uh, involved? He was uh, in the government.
2: The head of the DEA and then stuff. Yeah, When they when we got done with the prohibition, they flipped all that too. Yep. Uh, okay. So
0: know. are we going through your timeline, Chris? Yeah. Well, we're kind of skipping around a little bit. I mean, we touched... Yeah. I mean, my timeline is, is really simple right now. I want to put more of it together, and maybe even talk more on, on other episodes. But I have uh, 1943, that's when they removed it. Uh, physicians could no longer prescribe with it. And then I show 1964, that's when the molecular structure of Th- THC was actually discovered. I Ooh. thought that was kind of cool, you know, to talk about for. A yeah, my
2: um, uh, doctor, it's M. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, like uh, an yeah, Israeli it, doctor. It, yeah, Israel. Yeah, because Israel is really, they're the guys that uh, hit it first. And even today, they're. They're just l- leading in research. And like I says, yeah, like I bet the yeah, IHC didn't have any of the research paperwork from Israel because I'm like, they've got stuff. They've got a lot of <laughs> really good research that's uh, especially on CBD were some of the first ones to really kind of break down uh, its capabilities. And so, yeah, the research is there. Just, yeah, if you only only look outside of only look within, how do you say somebody who hasn't been looking at cannabis, that's going to be pretty restrictive uh, research that they're looking through. So
0: right. So and then it goes, you see, 1970 is when they um let's see oh yeah. the controlled so, substance uh, act.
1: Yes. No in 1970. So I brought up a. gosh, I brought up an old timeline from uh from a lecture I'm preparing for the PA school. So uh yeah, let's okay, I'm gonna take you all the way back to Betsy Ross. We gotta mention always Betsy Ross, first American flag made out of hemp fiber. No question. I love
0: What's Betsy? the movie? Uh,
1: <laughs> I love redheads. Remember that line? It's one of my favorite movies from high school. I'll think of the name of it. W-
0: what does it have um, to do with Betsy Ross though, Tim? Uh,
1: no, right? Anyway, <laughs> Betsy Ross, she, made, uh, she makes the flag, but it's a line in the movie. That's how I looked this up. Okay. So anyway, then you go back to yours, 1970. That's when it's taken out of, that's when it's become a schedule one, no acceptable acceptable medical use in 19, in 1970.
0: Which is crazy, but essentially because it was it had banned tons of- again.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, yeah, for like twelve thousand years. Uh, banned again when, like, in the seventies.
1: Yeah, nineteen seventies. It was banned again with the label "no accepted medical use." But you, were, but Derek's uh, to go back to Derek's point. That was in the forties. The hemp growing uh, was in the forties when the government was helping farmers grow it.
2: Yeah, we're and, uh, subsidizing and requ- actually requiring. I think I forget the exact amount. I remember reading it, reading it somewhere. But yeah, we was requiring it for just a, that small bit when we couldn't get it as an import.
0: Right, and then and then I'm jumping right. Well, seventy three was the first state to uh, pass cannabis decriminalization. Uh, excuse me, decriminalization. I yes, because an
1: initiative cool. failed the year before in seventy two, and then in seventy three they passed something. Uh, to legalize it, right for for very certain types, but at that point in time, I think there were there's a federal government program after Vietnam to actually supply some of the veterans with marijuana cigarettes. Mm. Uh, it wasn't very which, many,
2: though. it, was like, the, it was like it's a handful. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was a pretty small amount.
0: What was the deal with uh, with JFK? Wasn't he using cannabis? Like, I don't know at all, the whole story off the top of my head, but he was, I heard he was using cannabis and he wanted to legalize cannabis. And then obviously he, uh, got shot, you know, or whatnot, you know? So I don't know if either. I mean,
1: are you saying is this is, is, uh. Like a conspiracy theory that he wanted to legalize it, and that's why he was
0: assassinated. Oh, no, no, no. Because I'm if that's not the say, case, I'm not I'm saying it. that. I'm not saying that. I just heard he was using it, and that he wanted to legalize it. So, I mean, the thing is, is there's been presidents through the years that have been wanting to to legalize cannabis. That's what's crazy about it, man. All the way back to the 60s, 70s. I mean, we're 2020, and we still don't even have legal weed. Well, we have medicinal weed, you know. But right, it looks right. like you but were no. looking something up there, Tim.
1: Yeah, I'm looking it up. I was looking up uh, the JFK thing because they were trying to. I mean, this is just a you know trying to to decide whether or not he actually used it.
0: Oh, so they they are um, talking about it then? The, the article? Yeah, I mean, is- it's
1: yeah. There's some uh, prescription records. You know, Kennedy took some painkillers, anti-anxiety stimulants, sleeping pills, hormones. Whew! Wow. I mean, if he didn't take cannabis, he probably <laughs> needed to. <laughs> yeah, <here's laughs> With all here's the meds, a story this
2: story on uh, JFK uh, from his biography on the evening of uh, of July sixteenth, nineteen sixty two, Jim Druitt, Kennedy, and Mary Meyer smoked marijuana together. Then the president smoked three of the six joints, uh, and then uh, basically, then he closed his eyes and refused a fourth joint. Suppose the Russians, so he did. Like there's there's a little excerpt from his biography that JFK did do it. So
1: I mean, yeah, and then you uh, if you. If you skip forward I think it was 19 uh 88 yeah 1988 I gave a lecture where I remember this quote the DEA chief um he argued about the reclassification because he said and it's quoted everywhere that uh, marijuana is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to man and that's clear back in in the
0: 80s in the '80s were the big Reagan years. Nancy Reagan just say no, right? right. Can't and forget that's, her. I mean,
1: did we start the war on well, drugs yeah. then? <laughs> no,
2: it wasn't the '70s, but he like kind of kept continued. It is like let's be the generation that doesn't need a joint and doesn't need a yeah. It's like okay, this is come on now. <laughs> right. this war. we're trying to get better now. So uh.
0: <laughs> during this whole process, there's people. I don't really know a whole lot of like the names and stuff. I've watched the YouTube videos a while back, but there were people getting like tens of uh, pre-rolled joints from the government, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's part of that program I was talking about. Yeah. They're like, there's that, that guy in Florida. I'm sure you guys know who I'm talking about. What's his name? Gosh, he just gets a big tin of pre-rolled joints from the government. And then the government's putting, you know, telling us not to use it, putting ads on the TV with fried eggs. You guys remember those commercials? Oh yeah, in fact I still have a uh, a handout from my elementary
1: or junior high and I kept it, I don't know why I kept it, but I'm so glad I did. And it has the, this monster on it and it talks about how all my kids are going to be deformed and dumb and I can I won't be able to remember my own birthday uh if I, you know, even if I try it basically.
2: I think you're talking about Irvin Rosenfield's one of yep. them. I'm actually okay. yeah, that's probably the guy you're talking about.
0: Yeah, look at that. We need Derek here to look stuff up, you know?
1: Hey, look it up. Oh, no, Derek you're, Derek, you're our guy. You're
2: our guy. I've got all my cannabis books in, in, in magazines and articles. I, I've, got, I've got a decent amount of data from the last 10 years that I've been collecting. So,
0: What I thought was really cool, though, in 1988 as well, I found out that CBD1 and CBD2 cannabinoid receptors were discovered. So that was kind of cool.
1: Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, it took him what, 30 years to figure out where THC hooked on.
2: Yeah, what it was actually, yeah, wh- where it was interacting in the body. And uh, and even CB3, we've been seeing, like, it's actually like more like like CB3 and CB4 are receptors that they're actually starting to kind of push into. That's what's cool. is like, we've known about them, but we're just getting, technology is getting good enough to go, that's what they're doing. Like, to finally get down and see what's going down at those smaller interactions. And but yeah, 92 was about really the start of us starting to kind of figure this thing out.
0: 92 figuring cannabis out
2: like cb1 cb2 like the actual like technology finally it's kind of like the atom it's like we finally got to see the atom and then we kind of like went and looked at the body and we're like oh the body's got this other like the smaller systems and i i've i already know like the endocannabinoid system is connected to everything and we're just starting to kind of see the webbing of how it really like i was even looking at how like specifically like uh Like uh, different things are getting activated and like, yeah, we actually have been growing this plant just for THC for so long. We don't realize what cannabinoids we've lost in the process. The drug war tube losing a lot of cannabinoids. When we bring that back, what those interactions will do to the body and stuff. So I'm excited to see what happens when we finally can start growing this thing just like it should be, a vegetable.
0: Interesting. Interesting.
1: How uh, do you think, have you seen more minor cannabinoids being grown yeah, now
2: to see uh like t like seeing thcv come up uh more and i i knew that one and actually used that one specifically for my head injury because i kind of actually did a little research and saw it as it's a tricyclic cannabinoid that like attaches better and now they're actually kind of showing that hey it helps with like appetite suppression and stuff like that but for me i felt it really helped my mind kind of reconnect right after my accident i Ran into about a quarter pound of uh, I think it was Thai skunk, which was really good in THCV for for the stuff that I got. So it's it's uh, I think we, as we explore more and more of the cannabinoids, we're going to discover that we've gotten stuck. I feel like on two when there's truly some magic to happen in some of the other ones.
1: Wow, I'm, I mean, this is all uh, exciting news to me too because I study up on, or I mean, at least I try to study some up on the the minor cannabinoids. Because I think um, I think that growers are trying to grow some of the minor cannabinoids back into the to the marijuana plant, right? Not just the hemp plant. But they I know that back the they hemp
2: put too hard to THC, and now we're kind of pull back a little bit and see what happens when kind of everything evens out. Because when you understand the grow process, you can only push so much into one or side or the other. It only has like you've got CBG turns into THC and CBD. You've only got so much of that to work with before it's gonna be maxed out and and be used up. So, yeah, right, like yeah. same
1: as tomatoes, right? You you exactly. can you can push longevity and you can push shelf life, but you you eliminate other things. You eliminate yep. taste and color or whatever, and now they're just cardboard circles. Yeah, and the sitting on the foot. Like, it's
2: like I don't want to just get high. I want to like, and that's the thing for healing. If like the the terpenes and stuff like that, now that people are really looking at, I'm like. That's where I think a lot of the magic's going to happen when people get these really unique terpene profiles grown into their plants and the terpenes the way th- like becarfiling interacts with c b two it's the c uh the c b two receptor, so some of these terpenes interact with the receptors too, and people don't really I think realize that is a very powerful effect that we still haven't really learned much we've We've learned some on, but we've got a lot to learn still.
1: <laughs> So, Chris, wasn't it 96 that California goes legal? And that's not with any knowledge of any cannabinoids.
0: Actually, 91, I I found this was interesting. 1991, San Francisco actually became the first city to pass an ordinance in favor of medicinal patients having access to cannabis. So, San Francisco did it in 91. Was it milk? Was it milk that did that one for San Francisco?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I can see it. 91 to 95. There's there's San Francisco and then other cities and on a physician's recommendation. Now, in this case, I remember um, reading about a physician who in California wasn't, he was recommending cannabis to his patients, but he wasn't keeping any charting, like none. Uh. I, and I think this went on through through the late nineties because his opinion was, if I keep records, it not only incriminates me, but inc- incriminates my patients if somebody shows up. And so as a way to protect his patients, actually, he never, never he never wrote down one thing. Uh, he ended up going to prison for for that, but none of his patients got caught, I don't think. Wow.
0: Is he still in prison?
1: I don't know. I wish I knew what ended up happening. It's, it's one of those, uh, you know, if you... I don't know how old he was at the time, but I mean, this is the nineties. Mike, I don't know, probably retired by now.
0: It'd be interesting to track down some of the, the older prison, the people that are in prison for cannabis, you know, related offenses and uh, try to oh, just get yeah. in contact with them. Cause it's gotta be so crappy to be dealt that, you know, hand anyway. Uh, so yeah, 91 was San Francisco and then 96, uh, that was when the uh, California citizens place on the ballot with a victory of Proposition 215, uh, which legalized medicinal cannabis use, uh, possession and cultivation, which they, they're lucky. Unlike we got here in Utah, they could actually grow it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they, they had a heck of a ride. I remember watching a lot of that in the beginning of, uh, the, the, the medici- or the, uh, shops getting raided and, and, uh, it's kind of crazy to oh. watch.
1: Yeah, I remember the shops on TV. Yeah. This is a time in um, in history, though, that that the government and the FBI specifically, 93 was Waco. Oh, yeah. Right? They were forcing their way into a lot of stuff in the 90s.
0: But the biggest shift with cannabis was really late 90s, early 2000s. That's when a lot of, you know, the the states were starting to bring uh, medicinal cannabis on board and, and passing that. And then, well, really the last 20 years has been amazing for right. uh, which, which what would you say the biggest reason for that is, is that more because we have access to the Internet and stuff like that? So people have access to information.
2: I think access to the information i'd say is huge, I even when I was looking, I had to hunt in two thousand ten like it wasn't readily available like you had to kind of poke around and look through patents uh, and research papers if you wanted like kind of re- it wasn't readily available stuff. you could go buy some books, but the internet I think is like you can 't hide the information anymore that 's what they did that's what Nixon did is he went out to the colleges and destroyed the information like they wiped. They wiped anything that was like they 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 sent groups out and wiped stuff out. And you can't do that with Internet age. Like you can't yeah. you can't you can't stop, you can't you can't stop the uh global information and people showing exactly what's happening because that's what we don't realize. We lived in a world before that ha- that happened. And then 1989 happened and DARPA and the Internet and everything starts firing up. And it wasn't until. 2000, I was helping people get ready for Y2K. People were still scared of computers. <laughs> After Y2K happened, that we finally got, oh okay, they're not they're not going to bite me. Okay, I can get on this computer. And then boom, like people started getting into it. And I remember selling 2005, selling women computers to play World of Warcraft on. I'm like, what the crap's going on? Like the change that happened very quickly with computers is just yeah, been 20 years, right on the dot of just about. So.
1: Yeah, and I think we're we're forgetting one thing and that is the pharmaceutical industry. Remember, the pharmaceutical industry helped Nixon make that change. And in the 90s, I think it was in the 90s, we got a I mean, the best way to sell a product is to get a a symptom. Like when you're a drug maker, you need to get a symptom and what they did with the with the pharmaceutical industry is they made the sixth vital sign be pain, and we were taught about the sixth vital sign of pain and how to treat it with a product that was sold to us by the pharmaceutical industry or given to us, you know, with free trips to free trips to places and all kinds of stuff in the medical community. So I think they're the next step, and they kept other information down as well. Oh, and yeah. now this is just too big of a. It's too big of a um, movement now. So I, I think it's all these things combined, Chris. I think distrust of government um, has played a pretty big role in, in this. I think the pharmaceutical industry and killing 200,000 plus people with opioids has played a huge role and addicting the world to these pharmaceutical, I uh, mean, I think,
0: gosh, I mean, the world is just fed up with that. Now we just got to legalize it, decriminalize it, something, you know, I think, uh,
1: I've, I've always said, you got to teach, got to teach first and then we can decide, we can decide what to do when everybody's educated about it and we can make an informed decision. I'm not, I just, I'm not sure we're there yet. Oh,
0: come on, Tim.
1: We're there, <sighs> no. buddy. I mean, I'm an I'm an adult. I should be able to make my own
0: decisions. So, you know, I'm good with that. So, and well then back to the timeline, there was a couple more dates I wanted to mention that were kind of big dates. Uh, 2014, that was the legalization of, uh, medical CBD in a boatload of states, including Utah. I don't know if you guys remember that whole ordeal. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I pretty...
1: remember talking to Rich O'Bourne
0: about that. Yeah. And uh, that was a pretty big deal here in Utah. It's like, Ooh, we have legal CBD. We thought we were, we thought we were living on the edge. <laughs> At least I did. I was like, wow, Utah, what are you doing? Yeah, I remember that. And, uh, yeah, so that, that was nice.
2: It was, uh, uh, one some hemp shop that was in Sugar House. I remember going and buying yeah, some CBD drops from them back in like yeah 2014 2015. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just getting out of PA school, and I was I remember thinking, Gosh, we're in the next few years, we're going to see so many medications with CBD and a bunch of stuff. I mean, it's it's panned out a little bit, but but definitely again, I I mean, I think part of this is the pharmaceutical industry's ability to keep these things from coming to market in a big way. But yep. you know, we haven't seen as many. Uh, CBD drugs approved as I thought we would. What do you think that is, Derek? Do you think that's partly because you need the whole plant? I mean, that's kind of what I
2: think. There, are like, and I can say this, even that CBD I got back in 2014, 2015, it was effective for about a month, month and a half, like just pure CBD isolate. And then my body is like, cool, not doing much anymore. You That full spectrum when you have the full plant, that's that's how you have to take this thing. And that's too many people want to break it up. They want to be able to monopolize like that one cannabinoid. And I'm like, you're not gonna be able to do that guys. Like it doesn't work like that with this plant. It's like, cause you when, you, when you actually like, even like the plants, when I see people taking the plants and smashing them, I'm like, ah, don't do that. Cause of the way you understand the trichromes and the terpenes and the way that all that structure is it's like, really you want that all together. I mean, smashing that's destroying the medicine in a sense. And, and it's uh, like, especially with extraction processes and stuff like that, there's tons of ways to do it, but I definitely know like, yeah, it's always going to be the full plant. That's going to, when we start treating it like a vegetable, it's like, Hey, which vegetables did you take today from the cannabis family? That's what I want to be hearing more of than, than anything Than like I took, I mean, taking a, uh, taking it at all is good for everybody, but yeah, full, full plant all, all day long.
0: I was just looking at the dates here. Seeing if there was any more uh, prominent ones, and then well, 2018—that's when you, uh,
2: legalization, like that. Well, that's true. Surf- I saw the when I saw stuff start clicking. Like the change was right after Colorado and Washington flipped it.
1: Yeah, to uh, to adult use. Yeah.
2: Yeah. When they, when they did that, that's when we got the the steamroller started pushing like hard.
0: My question about okay, so Washington and Colorado. I mean, this is this is eight years ago. That they yep. legalized recreational marijuana enough time for us to look at them and see how they're, you know, has a state gone to uh, gone to hell basically, and I don't, I mean, I think they're doing great. So why haven't all the states legalized? You know, that's what I don't understand.
2: I mean, and they're having their hiccups, like increase in high housing prices. I think that's the biggest thing has been increase, like, but we're because yeah, everybody problem.
0: wants to live yeah. there.
2: having <laughs> the problem, so it's like, well, that's happening everywhere, so that's not really a problem. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's why hasn't everybody flipped it? I'm like, not all the states are ready for it. And until we can start doing inter, like, we need to get it off the schedule one. Like, that's the problem. It's like, you can't do interstate. We can't do, like, interstate commerce with the plant. Like, the best place to grow, really, the medical marijuana stuff is going to be, like, on the West Coast near the ocean. Like, it's just better weather. They've got longer light cycles. But hemp, we're going to be the best of the best growing it out here. But we can't even trade. We can't pass back and forth it's it's hampered right now and that's why it hasn't fully turned on is like until we can get it where all the states can start using it one state turns on they've got their own rules this state turns on they've got their own rules then they're like it's yeah it's a, it's a lot of almost uh controlled chaos as far as everybody flipping it all at once and trying to figure it out while it's still illegal federally
1: right you' you're saying you you've got to decriminalize it federally for the next step that's really I mean, that's what I would say, Chris is the next step. It's got to be, yeah, yeah, decriminalize it federally, you can study it, you can interstate commerce it, and then, yeah, I mean, I'm a medical guy, right? so I like I like the medical thing, but I've told you before, I think that's because I want the medical profession to really buy into it. I think yeah. if you legalize it for adult use too early, then the medical community doesn't get a handle on uh, its legitimacy quick enough. And patients end up suffering because it it delays the availability of it as a as a real medication I don't know I mean I'm I'm torn
2: I, I agree I agree with you on that one part like when you go wreck like we needed to go wreck to fire it off but I'm very much someone who uses it medical it's like I've been around too many of the stoner, stoner bros and I'm like guys I yeah it's like the one thing they're like Derek do you ever get high I'm like no I'm using this for pain, like you guys go get high off your dabs and stuff. I'm gonna go to work. <laughs> like that. That's,
1: that's What's the- your question,
0: Chris? Well, no, no, no. I was just gonna ask you, Tim. You were saying you were waiting for the medical side to catch up or to to kind of investigate it first, but they're so slow, man. Like they're uh, so skeptical is, uh, and slow that the rest of the world no, no, is I'm just gonna go. say, "Hey, go look on the internet, dude. Don't be dumb." Just, let's yeah, just I mean this is this is the other argument right is to let
1: the let the masses have it let them have access to it let us grow it let everybody just do what they're gonna do and then take all that data feed it into the uh, the AI and then let the AI decide what's good and what's bad and that's uh I mean I guess that's that's a a way to go I mean there's all these options I I get to have a voice but I don't get to make the final decision. And I'm torn, Chris, I'm torn because I I know what it's like to go to Vegas, go to Colorado and, and have recreational or, or what I liked Sean Hammond's uh, point about calling it adult use and being, being able to access it like that. And I like the advantages of the, of the medical program here.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to end up. I just think the medical side needs to get fast and start catching up and start doing some studies, start doing some research, start putting it out there, start letting more patients use it, start making it more accessible, and uh, start having more flour in our pharmacies here in Utah.
1: Oh my gosh, is it just, it's terrible.
0: I got, I did get a report.
1: Derek, I don't know if you uh, you've kind of followed this, but there's 4,200, 4,300 legal card holders in Utah. There is Uh, you know, a lot more letter holders than that. And they're accessing the system. And there are literally three small dispensaries that are open for all of these patients. It's just not enough.
2: No, I mean, this year, I'll I'll throw down some knowledge that I know because even in Northern California right now, like it was, uh, this is just the time of year where it's just dry. Like this is kind of like the the grow season. Like we're actually like, as far as, it's just dry across the board. But what really happened in California that changed up a lot of the market was they changed up where a lot of farmers got out early last year. So a lot of stuff kind of confluxed. But when I went out there, I went and got two king size joints that were cropped out from November, 2018. I slept really good because they were older stuff, but even out in California in their top level dispensaries, they had older stuff. So it's interesting. Like the whole, it's like everything's kind of in conflux. It's not just here in Utah, but I can say no, nobody in cannabis right now, with everything that's going on, has I mean, people of course that are their own growers and stuff like that probably have awesome selection, but it's probably a little scrappy across the board. So I feel like here, just like but I can say this. Four years ago when I went out there, it was worse. I had my medical marijuana card, I went to Eureka, California. I had to hunt down one dispensary that had a very tiny selection of flour. Like it was I was in Northern California where it should have been all over the place. So I can say whenever programs just get started, it does say, take a second. But we were right. We told them they wouldn't have enough growers. We told them they wouldn't have enough dispensaries. Like We told all the state people all this stuff. It's like they shouldn't have gotten involved. They should have let us do Prop 2 and should have gotten out of the way and let us do it. But they had to get involved, and they are failing. So I'm going to call on it. Like, hey, you guys got in the way, and you are don't have enough flour for our patients. You failed. You're not following through on what you said you guys were going to do. Drop to this HSB, like, get a, give us back prop two and get out of the way. Thank you. So that's just. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's your two bits. I like to
2: hear it. Two bits like, I'm like, you, you guys, we called you on it. You're doing exactly what we told you we were going to do.
0: I did want to mention a tip, though, that I've learned is if you sign up for the Dragonfly newsletter, you'll get a, like an email telling you when they get some flowering. So like yesterday, they actually oh, yeah. did get some flour in, uh, in an email and I'm sure it was sold out within an hour. Yeah, I so, got a,
1: uh, I got an email from a patient of mine, uh, yesterday afternoon that was like, oh wow, this process is slow. They were at dragonfly all, all afternoon to try to get some flour, but you know what that I, it's, I'm, it's how it's like you're saying, it's how it starts. Yep. And if we ask the state and if we complain to the state, they're going to say, hey, hang on. There's there's growers who haven't got flour into those shops yet. There's shops that haven't opened. Just give it a while and be patient. And, uh, Patience, yeah. be
0: patient. Yep.
1: Patience, please be patient. You waited 20 years for this anyway, right? So what's another few on. months, so Chris?
0: Hey, Tim. So I got a question actually for you. I, I was talking to a buddy the other day about the letters thing in the uh, medical card. Um, yeah, I figured this is a perfect opportunity to bring it up because this I'm sure yeah, other people are. So if somebody goes and gets their letter from a doctor, they could take it to like, say, Dragonfly and purchase a product there. But they're yes. only allowed to go to that one dispensary slash pharmacy.
1: That's correct. The state set up a system where you can register your letter with one dispensary. Once you choose a dispensary, you can't. you cannot go anywhere else
0: unless you go get your actual
1: registered state card. But
0: that's that was a, kind of my question, is they were asking, they were like, well, can I use my letter, say, till September? And then if I want to go decide, well, I like this, and then I want to go register with the state. Does that make yeah, sense? But, I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of weird, yeah. but...
1: Well, and yes, I mean, technically, yes. But remember, the provider, there's two things I want to say about this. One, when you go to Dragonfly with your letter, the Dragonfly calls... Or, or makes makes contact with the the provider that you want to see, and will verify that that letter is legit, right? That's why it takes a while to register with Dragonfly. Get in there, so your provider can shut that letter off at any moment, right? They can call Dragonfly and say, "Hey, Derek's letter's no good. He hasn't seen me in six months. That's the law. He needs to come in. He needs to see me because I can't. I can't in good conscience." recommend this medication if I'm not seeing my patient. And that's the thing that's the second point, which is in September, you know, say I got a letter in February, or maybe even I got a letter last year by, by, by me. And, you know, it's been 10 months. Well, yeah, that letter, when you go to register, it's the same process as registering a brand new card you go in, you register, and the QMP has to go in and do the certification. Well, that QMP is likely going to say, if they know the law, uh, they're going to say, hey, wait, you you got to come into the office. I mean, you got to see me. You know, that's, the, that's how the law works. So there are thousands of letters that are out there um, that we know of and that have been registered at the dispensaries. There is going to be a huge number of cards issued in November and December. Um, but when those people are like, Hey, you know what? This letter has been good. It's kept me legal. It's kept me out of jail, but man, I got to get my card. But my We're question, to how are they
0: going to even know that though? Cause like, say, let's say I took my letter in. I'm not going to be reminded of that. I'm going to kind of forget and be like, Oh, yeah, I can keep going to dragonfly. I don't know. There, no one's going to notify him. Are they?
1: No, I mean the QMPs, there are 300 and, uh, 350 odd QMPs now in Utah, and those QMPs, most of them aren't doing what what like I'm doing, uh, which is you know trying to like like a podcast. Of course, anybody who listens here, anybody who uh, talks to Derek, or uh, as part of his education series, is going to know right because part of that education in Utah is going to be hey hey guys and gals, this is this is going to like it's going to blow up, and we got to get our registration done. Um, So really, it's not going to be anything but paying attention. You're right. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be uh, at least hundreds, if not thousands of people, who January first go into Dragonfly, and it's just going to be like in the beginning. Sorry, your letter's no good here. You've got to go to your QMP, and it's going to be a start over process. Hopefully, Derek, I, you, Chris, you know, together, the three of us can educate everybody in the state. At, got, way to lay it all on us, Tim. Thank you. You know, that's
0: a lot of pressure, buddy. (laughs) Oh man. We've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's wrap this episode up, man. Let's, uh, I mean, I know we could probably talk more about history of, uh, cannabis and whatnot, but we're already going over an hour here and that's a lot of, a lot of podcast editing for me. So I don't want to do it. Yeah, I get it. But, uh, unless there's more, unless there's more you want to talk about Tim. Uh I'm good.
1: I'm, I'm happy. Derek. Uh, how can people find you, Derek? You know, where where are you at?
2: Uh I mean uh Utah Cannabis Education uh, is my handle one of my handles on Instagram and uh Facebook. Uh definitely uh, follow me there and uh that's uh probably one of the best places to reach out. I'll be putting a lot of stuff up on that and hitting up the farms and uh showing what's going on here in Utah with cannabis and uh educating. So
1: uh you can get a hold of me at utahmarijuana.org if you wanted
0: to know. That's the easiest place to find me. They can listen to the podcast there. You got transcripts of the podcast. You got information on how to get your medical card there.
1: Boom. All kinds of stuff. You can find out all kinds of stuff. In fact, I should probably have Derek help me with some of the educational pieces to add to it.
2: Most definitely.
1: We're putting out some condition pages right now for different conditions, uh, really streamlining the process to find out about how to get your medical card. And we do a lot. Right now we do a lot of education on navigating that process. Um, like the click by click navigating, registering for your card, because there are a lot of people in need of that. But anyway, that's me, Chris, how can people, I mean, really you're the, you're the, uh, the heart and soul of this thing.
0: Well, so yeah, you can find me at IamsaltLake.com. That's my other podcast, my other project. I do that with my wife, uh, last week we had the owner of uh twist downtown, the bar and uh restaurant down there. I don't know if you've ever been there before, Tim, uh, they were just oh, kind of yeah. talking about all the different things they had to go through with the coronavirus, having to shut down and all that. And now reopening. So that was an interesting conversation that we had with it, with him. So good. I'm I am Sal- salt com is that. And, um, yeah, on that note, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And uh, there was actually a new review. I should have had that pulled up on iTunes. Next week, we'll read it, Tim. So hopefully I'll Okay, awesome. And uh, other than that, you guys have a great week. Thanks, Derek, for coming on the show, buddy.
2: Uh, thanks for having me, guys.